Welcome to the Unqualified Scholar Podcast. Hey, thanks for playing along with the Unqualified Scholar. We're talking today about the church. And this, the, the idea behind this is that we want to help people understand not just the church in the biggest sense, but also our church. What is HODL? And so this series is titled, What the HODL? And I hope you'll enjoy it as we talk about the church, what, the church, big picture, and this church, and the unique and creative things that we're trying to do in the Jackson community. So, what the HODL? Well, one of the things that's really important to understand when you're dealing with anything is what is it and what is it supposed to do? So when I was in the military, we had these things called bollards. I was in the Navy and when we tied the ship up, we would tie the ship to the bollard using a big rope, you know? And so it's really fun to know, oh, okay, I, I know what a bollard is and I know what it's supposed to do. So that if it fails in some way to hold the ship up against the pier, then you know that it's not doing what it's supposed to do. The same thing's true for, uh, I was an over-the-road truck driver for a long time, and a, a tractor, the truck part of things, is connected to the trailer by what's called a fifth wheel and a kingpin. Well, they're supposed to hold the truck and the trailer together. And when they don't, for whatever reason, then they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And so when we think about the church, it's important to think about what is it and what is it supposed to do? Because when we fail to understand that, a lot of times it creates confusion or, you know, church hurt where people are just, uh, they're, they're angry about something because they're not focused on what the church is supposed to be doing. And so in its broadest definition, the church is the community of all believers through all time. So I, I really like this idea that I am connected to people who came thousands of years before me through this entity called the church. It is intended to connect me, you know, through history to people who are followers of Jesus. And so I, I like the idea that the church is not limited to just the local expression, but it's also the people who I've uh, been connected to through through believing in, in God through Jesus through all of time. And that's also true of geography. You see, there are Christians in different parts of the world and in different countries, and they're different than me. And that those differences are things to be celebrated, things to be explored and, and understood. And so when we think about what the church is, it's the community of all believers through all time. And so when we also go back and start thinking about um, what the church is in this time, you know, in this time, it's the group of people who come together each week to worship as a church and to profess faith in Christ. And so I hope that you have a church. And if you don't have a church, I hope you'll consider checking us out at Heart of the Lakes Church, uh, hodlstrong.com, and seeing how it is that you can be a part of this. Now, there are a number of metaphors that the church is called. The church is called a body. The church is called a building. The church is called a bride. These are all good 
good metaphors and good comparisons for what the church is and what it's supposed to do. But each of them has to kind of come back around and think about this is the community of all true believers for all time. And there is the church as God sees it and the church as we see it. As we see it, that it is the group of people that come together each week to worship as a church and profess faith in Christ. This is what we do. This is what the church is intended to do. And when you think about this, it's really very, very interesting to me that inside this church, you have people who are old and people who are young. You have people who are single moms and their kids. And their kids are coming to church to experience uh, something that is that they won't get anywhere else. They won't get teaching about God and ethics and, and those kind of things at school. Church uh, School will try to teach them ethics, but, but they'll always kind of just be like, hey, be good with no real reason behind it. We as a church come together to be good because we want to be good children of God. And so there's the busy single mom and her kids. There's there's youth. There are people who are teenagers who are trying to understand the world around them <clears throat> and their place in it. You know, our teens are fantastic because they ask the questions that adults, we sort of forget how important those things are. So there are old people, young people. There are people in the middle of their lives, people who are very busy, uh, career people, college people, all kinds of people. There are people who have studied the Bible for a long time. There are people who have studied the Bible in, in greater depth than we have. But then there are also people who are just starting to understand their faith or to express their faith. Or even there are people who come to our services who aren't even followers of Jesus at all. And so that is very important because then as we, as we church better, as we do what the church is supposed to do, we want to lead people into a relationship with the one true God that is then <clears throat> that then leads them to faith and then leads them to express that faith in all areas of their life so that they can become God's children and then that we can all become better children of God. Well, how do we know that the church is churching correctly? That's an interesting question, you know, and it goes back to the Protestant Reformation of the 1500s. In the 1500s, everybody was pretty much Catholic. And some of the Protestant reformers began reading the Bible and asking some questions about the teachings of the church that had gotten off track. And they had to sort of reimagine and re-understand everything so that they were churching correctly. And so they, they sort of came down, and, and the Bible expresses two main sacraments. Now, an outward sign instituted by God to convey an inward or spiritual grace. Sacraments are liturgical practices of the church. So a, a liturgy is just something that the church does to express its faith in Jesus. And so there are two main sacraments in the evangelical church are two main sacraments in our church they are baptism and communion so communion is the taking of uh, bread and we use grape juice bread and something from from grapes so that we can express what jesus talks about in the scriptures he talks about it in first corinthians he talks about it in the gospels where he instituted a sign for the disciples 
of his body that was broken for them, that's the bread, and his blood that was shed for them. And it becomes sort of a touch point for the church and a teaching focus of the church that we enter in and we talk about what Jesus did on the cross. It's not just that he died. It's that he died for a purpose. And the purpose of his death was to help every, or to, to give everyone the opportunity to believe in him and have a restored relationship to God. God is perfectly pure. God is holy. And man is not. We are broken and sinful. And our sins are covered over, paid for, by what Jesus did on the cross. And this brings us back into a restored relationship to God, providing that we trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so communion is that, that symbol that God instituted that expresses our confident trust in what Jesus did. The other symbol that is very important is baptism. Baptism is, I'm a dunker, but baptism is a ritual use of water. And that ritual use of water expresses a new birth. That Jesus not only paid for our sins, but there is a union of the believer with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And in that being raised up, as the person is dunked into the water and brought back out, they are raised up to walk in a newness of life, with a new character of life, with a new focus in life. And so there are two of these sacraments in the church. There's baptism and there's communion. There's also, like, as we talk about the, the gospel ministry, as we talk about what Jesus did on the cross, there's also a set of good, sound teaching that the church is supposed to be characterized by. And so the church is supposed to teach the Bible. Now, when I say that, there are a lot of people who think, well, yeah, there's a lot in the Bible and there's a lot of things that you could teach from the Bible. And this is where, like, in our denomination and in our church, we want to focus in on the majors. And I've used this analogy a number of times where I talk about a river. There are certain deep spots in the river that Christians must believe. If you don't believe in the deep foundational truths of Christianity, then we're not talking about Christianity. We're talking about something else. But if you do, then we are talking about Christianity. This, these are things like the Trinity, that God is three persons and one God, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that Jesus was fully God and fully man, that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. So these, these things are important for Christians to believe. And anytime you talk about biblical studies, there are always people who have uh, questions. And it's okay to have questions, but when it comes to the Christian faith and identifying what Christianity is, you have to have the deep spots of the river. Now, there are parts of the river, the shallow parts, that really, I mean, some Christians teach them, some Christians believe them, but they're not fundamental parts of the Christian faith. Uh, I come from a, a tradition where women wearing pants was a question. Uh, can women wear pants? It was really a hot button issue back in the wogey days when I was a teenager. Or uh, things like rock music. Can you listen to rock music? Um, because, you know, the devil was everywhere for us. And so there are things inside Christianity that some people do, some people don't. One of the things that's fun from history, actually kind of recent history, is something called mixed bathing. Can boys and girls go swimming together? Because that might lead to dancing. And as we all know, dancing leads to beer. So in the river analogy, 
we want to understand that there are things that are foundational to Christian teaching that we must believe. We want to major on the majors. But there are some things that are less essential as Christian beliefs. Now, going back to the Protestant Reformation of the 1500s, they had to reimagine everything from the Bible out, and they got, um, they got a little bit nutty sometimes. There were some of the Reformers who believed, that, believed certain things about communion and how the, the body and blood of Christ are present in the communion. They believe, some believe that the, the body and blood of Christ are uh, like the elements of communion become the body and blood of Christ in a literal sense. Um, <clears throat> most people in the modern world who are not Catholic believe that it is symbolic. But it's a thick symbol. It's not a casual symbol. It's something important because it's something that was ordained by God. And so when we have the church, the church is the community of all believers through all time, but then it's also the group of people who come together each week to worship as a church and profess faith in Christ. And there are these two sacraments that are very important in the life of the church. But in that church, with the idea that there must be doctrine, that there must be right teaching, there's an importance of oversight. And so churches have varying levels of oversight and how they are uh, monitored for their doctrinal purity, for their, um, you know, their practice of the sacraments. We are denominational, and so we are a United Brethren in Christ Church. The UB, uh, you can check us out at ub.org. Uh, very, very Christian, very, very middle of the road. We don't get tied up on a lot of things. We want to maintain the deep spots of the river as the essentials of the Christian faith. And then allow Christians the liberty of conscience in many different areas, as many as we can. And so uh, when we think about oversight, there are a number of different kinds of churches out there in the world. So some churches are independent. And in their independence, the congregation has to exercise oversight. So the congregation has to be like, wait, 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 what was the pastor preaching this week? Is he preaching correctly? Um, sometimes those churches are, are led by a group of men or women, you know, depending on your flavor, uh, who are elders or in some sense leading the church. Um, and so that local church has to exercise its own oversight. There are strengths and weaknesses here. You know, when the world gets crazy, the, the church can kind of say, okay, we as a, as a group, we understand doctrine and Christian teaching. And there are some churches that can do that very well. However, one of the weaknesses of this model is that it doesn't rely on people outside of that community. So a community could get isolated or drawn off into false teaching. And so an independent uh, organization has some weaknesses. So many churches form connections. And some connections are stronger than others. In a connected network, many times you'll have um, groups of churches who sort of meet, um, like the pastors sort of help each other to make sure that they are staying in line with historical expressions of the Christian faith. Um, some, some of the Baptists, I think there's the, the GARB, the General Association of Regular Baptists, where they're not quite a denomination, and I could be wrong here. So if you, I, I'm unqualified, so if you're if I'm misspeaking here, I'm so sorry to all of my Baptist friends. But 
the network, there are different networks that are less connected or they're connected, but they're not super connected like a denomination. And then there are denominational connections. Now there's a higher degree of oversight when you have a denomination. We have a denomination, we have a hierarchy where there is authority above the level of the pastor who is uh, who are entering in to make sure that things are going well in the churches, that when there's a problem, we have people who can come in and help solve problems. Um, we have a bishop, his name is Todd, he's a great guy. Uh, if this uh, video lasts longer, I guess we have to update that in the uh, on the day that he uh, steps down from being bishop, which I don't have no idea when he will. I, he's doing a great job, no reason for him to change anything. And so we are a denominational church. We have people who are making sure that we are staying inside the river, that we're not getting crazy in our doctrinal teachings. We have people who are helping us and coaching us with the many things that we face as a church. They give us guidance when it comes to things like um, coronavirus and religious exemptions from, um, from vaccination. They issued some guidance along those lines. I'm certain that in the coming days, there's a war in Ukraine at the moment. I'm certain in the coming days, they will encourage us to pray in our churches for peace. Because that's biblical. The Bible says to pray for peace. And so the denomination is good. And our denomination is good. And it uh, provides good oversight for our churches, good help for our pastors. Not that any of these is right or wrong. Um, I have good friends who are independent. I have good friends who are in a connected network. And I have great friends who are denominational. So when we think about the purpose and purposes of the church, one of the things that we have identified as our purpose is to love God and love people. Now, this is a completely biblical statement. You know, the Bible says you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, uh, these are called the, the great command. Um, and so, this is the great command in Scripture that, that we're supposed to love God and love people. And this is, there, there are a couple different dimensions to this. One of this is upward. And so when we think about our relationship to God, it's important to get our theology of um, getting right with God. It's important to have that theology of redemption correct so that we understand how we are in a relationship to God. It's not by works. It's not by doing good things. It is only through Jesus. And so we want to worship God through music and education so that we're making sure that we are churching correctly. So there's an upward dimension in the church's purposes. There's also an inward dimension to the church where we as a church are trying to grow and develop a theological and practical education among our people. So we understand who God is, what our relationship to him looks like in a moral, ethical, and relational development. We want to understand who we are as people and who we are as God's people. And so... There are a number of different things that this is called, uh, discipleship, practical action. Uh, when it comes to things that we believe, we try to make sure that we focus on the deep spots in the river, things that you must believe, things that you may believe, and things that you must not believe. And so along with that, there's the upward dimension, the inward dimension, there's also the outward dimension. Now when we think about outward, we think about people who are not yet part of the church at all and people who are not yet part of our church. And so this is called outreach, or um, sometimes it's called evangelism. 
presenting people with an opportunity to believe in Jesus. Uh, you remember the Great Commission in Matthew 18? Oh, Matthew 28, 18, sorry. Where it says, Go into all the world and make disciples, make followers of Jesus, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's biblical warrant for us to be a reaching out kind of a church. That the church is supposed to be reaching out into the world to help people understand the gospel. As, as always, like in a loving and kind way, we don't, we don't browbeat people or drag them to church. We want to convince them that we are having fun and we love God and we love people. So another aspect of that is the ministry of mercy, where we want to, we want to just show up in our community and do good things. Which good things? Anything that is good. We want to make sure that we are doing good things in our community, whether that's you as a person or us as a church. And so there's balances, balance in these purposes. That reaching up is not the only focus. That worship is not the only thing, because that might create a church where there is no depth, where there is no teaching. If we have an inward focus, just taking care of Christians, we would lose the ability to reach out. We lose the ability to be obedient. And if we're just reaching out, then we're creating a lot of new Christians, but we might have a lack of depth. And so we try to keep these things in balance at Heart of the Lakes Church through a number of different things that we do. We offer a number of different uh, opportunities for you to come and serve. We offer a number of life groups and all kinds of things so that we as a church are growing and developing into the people God wants us to be so that we can continue to, to, to do the mission of the church as best we can. One of the things that we want to make sure the church is not, the church is not a yacht. It's not a country club. It's not just a place where you come and experience great things. You might show up at, the, and there are a lot of churches that are like this. There's a great show. There's a great buffet. Come and enjoy. And so there are churches that just, hey, come and, come and see, but they never really connect people to the mission of the church. And so there are country club churches, there are yacht churches, and that's a perspective that the church is something to be consumed. This is a big problem in the modern American church, where churches are floundering because they're filled with people. There's lots of people in the seats, but there are a minority of people who are participating in the mission of worship and inward development and outreach. And as a church, we want to make sure that we're doing things in balance. Yes, there are times where you should come and sit and enjoy and learn. And there are other times where you should be the one serving so that someone else can learn. I was told a long time ago by a pastor, he said, if you come to church to get a blessing, you might leave disappointed. But if you come to church to be a blessing... Church will change for you. It will never be fail, a, a failure. It will always be a good service because you will have come for the right reason. You will have come to serve to, to serve someone else. And that's important. And so the church is often treated like it's a yacht, but the reality is that the church is like a rowing team. That we as a church are here to work together to accomplish the mission that God left us the mission of creating and making disciples. And so first, we want to be the best follower of Jesus that we can be. And then second, we want to plug in so that we can work. 
So here's another uh, example, an internal focus church. It just keeps going round and round and round. And there are a lot of churches. I asked the bishop in 2017, I think it was, what's the greatest threat to the church? He said two things that came immediately to mind. The first was an inward focus. And the second was a difficult culture. Hey, it's really tough to meet people where they are, to talk to them about, about the faith and about Jesus. It's a really tough culture. But that doesn't create an excuse for us. That creates an opportunity. You see, we can't be internally focused because that's how churches die. We need to be focused on the mission that Christ left us. And so uh, on my next little slide here, you know, as we have this mission focus, as we are trying to reach out to people who are not yet followers of Jesus, we can use church outreach, church events for outreach. And this is what we do. We use church events to bring in people from the community so that they can understand that being a Christian is for them. That there are normal people in church. That pastors are normal people. That they won't be harshly judged or looked down on. But they'll be encouraged to not stay where they are, but to learn more about following God. To that end, there's also, there are church events for Christians. And we do this too. But you need to understand, if you're as you get involved more and more with Heart of the Lakes Church, that sometimes there are things that are really outreach-oriented, that are trying to connect with people who are not yet followers of Jesus. And this is on purpose. There are things for you, but you're going to have to work to get them. Some, things are, some examples are life groups, Bible studies, podcasts. This podcast is for you, whether you're a church people or not. There are opportunities to serve, many opportunities to serve. We have properties to maintain. We go camping together. So when you come to an event, remember that we are intentionally focused on doing the mission that God gave us. So what is it and what does it do? Well, a church is the gathering of Christians, believers, but not only believers, the church is a gathering of people so that we can become followers of Jesus and then follow Jesus better. And as we follow Jesus, we look for opportunities to serve so that in serving, we learn and grow and experience God at a deeper and better level.